Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Bears and Chicago have long been a part of me, starting in 2008 when I was an undrafted free agent here. And it's amazing to see this building and what, and what has been done. Funny stories, I remember being back in Bourbon A's in the dorm, being woken up in the middle of the night with the tornado sirens going off, and the tornado had reached, had hit the ground uh, not too far away. They shuttled us down to the basement in the middle of the night, and everyone, you know, was groggy. And, but there was a moment I picked up my head, and the basement of this dorm was the laundry room, and I saw Bears legends, Erla, uh, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Peanut Tillman, Devin Hester, and Olin Krutz, as we waited out the storm. That is the voice of Bears general manager, Ryan Poles. He addressed the assembled media today over at Hallis Hall, and you heard him mention my next guest here, who joins me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. You can find him on Twitter at Olin underscore Kruitz. He is one of the analysts here at 670 The Score. He is the host of the No Name Podcast. You can find that on Twitter at Duh No Name Pod. And he is, of course, a Bears legend. Olin Cruz with me on The Score. What's happening, O? What's up, Big Ann? How's it going, man? Good, man. Good. I'm glad we got, uh, we got, I guess, some definite news now. We know who the bosses are. We have heard from them at this point. And so now that they have been done addressing the assembled media they can kind of get on to the, the business at hand of actually making this a better football team first off i'm curious because i the team out of the, the various teams i was with in the league the one i was with the shortest time was the, the pittsburgh steelers i was just with the steelers for one training camp not even a full off season i just i'd gotten cut by somebody else went to pittsburgh i was there for a few months with them in training camp so i don't if I walked up to like Kimo von Olhoffen on the street today, I don't. He probably wouldn't know who I was. I'm, do you? Do you remember? Like, do you definitively remember Ryan Poles from his time he was here in Chicago? Uh, you know, it's an interesting story. But uh, first of all, uh, you mentioned my guy Kimo von Olhoffen from uh, Molokai. Actually, guy played volleyball in high school and became a great football player. So yeah. uh, I'm glad that he got a shout out here. Uh, on on 670 to score really good football player I mean, you know how right. tough he was but right. um, the funny thing about Ryan Pose is of course when I had heard that he was a free agent offensive lineman I'm trying to remember him right and I just I couldn't so I, I called a couple of the guys from 2008 you know Chris Williams uh, was a rookie that year Kirk Barton out of Ohio State and then I called of course Josh Beekman who went to Boston College with Ryan Pose and Asked him about Ryan. He said, you know, he said, Olin, do you remember him? And I said, no. He said, that's what I thought. But 
he he <laughs> did say he was there and uh, he was here for a while. And, but he, you know, couldn't give him big Ant a bigger endorsement about mm. um, like what you saw today, right? Like how he handles himself, uh, you know, how he he could win the interview, how detail oriented he was, and obviously how he believes that the game starts uh, at the line of scrimmage and that he believes in old school fundamentals in football and that that's where he's going to build his team uh, from the inside out so of course when I ho- heard that like you a former defensive lineman uh, that got me excited and one of the things I've been trying to to sort of communicate for for listeners here on the station tonight because it it can be difficult if you haven't necessarily been like in huddles and locker rooms and you hear Ryan Poles and maybe assume things about uh, the importance of the line of scrimmage or you hear Matt Eberflus talking about attention to detail and effort and things like that. Folks might just assume that, that some of these things are, are automatic when you're just paying guys a bunch of money at the professional level. What, what did you take away from, from what you heard today, whether Poles or, or Eberflus or however? What, what did you take away that, that might be a positive or at least what, what direction they would try to take things that would just improve the Bears with their approach? Yeah, you, you like what you heard, right? You heard two guys who you can tell really get it and they get they got this opportunity because of that, right? They worked their way up. I know Ryan Pose is a young guy, but uh, he interviewed twice in Carolina last year. You've heard nothing but good things about him coming from the guys who were in charge over there at Kansas City. A guy like you know Chris Ballard, who is now the coach GM. Uh, you all you hear is really good things about Ryan Pose, and you hear him talking about how he has to build the all- offensive line. And for us people who've been following the Chicago Bears. Uh, that's a big job. That's a job that hasn't been done in a while. So uh, we'll see if he can get that right. And as far as Eberflus goes, um, really reminds you a lot of Lovey Smith, right? And, and with the principles that Lovey Smith and Rod Marinelli and Ron Rivera and all the guys who were here through that stretch from 2004 to about 2012, when they really played at a high level on defense, right? Really, our problem still, uh, like like is familiar with this team. Our problem was on offense. Our problem was scoring points. Our problem was moving the ball. And that was a, that's really why Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace are not here anymore. So when you heard him preaching those fundamentals of the cover two scheme, and I put quotations around that, but when you hear him preaching that, uh, you know what comes with that. Hustles, uh, uh, takeaways, and, and a relentless pursuit of the football. And there are guys, obviously, uh, who I work with in this town on the football after show at NBC Sports, like Alex Brown, like Lance Briggs, who can speak to that uh, more than I can. But you like to hear those things. But, uh, like, you know, Big Ant-Man, fixing that offense is priority number one. Olin Cruz with me here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score joining me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, hotline home of the world's largest sports book. And having a, having a defensive-minded head coach, someone who's made his bones in the game on defense, now you have a – you have to hire an offensive staff. You've got to hire a whole staff, but his expertise, per se, isn't on offense. So when I hear that, that Luke Getze is going to come in as a first-time play caller on offense, that does concern me because there's a whole lot of newness that's over there at Hallis Hall. You know, you hear names like Pep Hamilton, at least in my mind, guys who had a certain level of experience, not only calling plays, but working with a variety of quarterbacks to success over the years. How concerning do you do you find it to be that not only first-time GM, first-time head coach, but now on the offensive side of the football that the guy that's going to be largely responsible for helping develop Justin Fields is going to be his first time calling plays as well? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you can't help but wonder, right? Because we really don't know about these guys in the job that they have now. And, and obviously, uh, I call people about Luke Getze too. And, and, and pe- just like Eberflus, just like Pose, uh, the people I talked to are really impressed with him. Uh, say he's a football guy, a football mind. He gets it. Uh, he'll design a scheme that will take advantage of what Justin Fields does well. But but here's a guy, Big Ant, like you know how critical those halftime adjustments are when you're going up against some of the best defensive coordinators in the game. Here's a guy who's never done that before, right? And uh, there's not like in – I'm, inter- I'm interested to see if they hire somebody with at least some play calling experience, maybe an older guy. Uh, you know, kind of like Mike Pettin was for Sean Desai, an offensive consultant who can help in that kind of role uh, in case, you know, gets any someone to lean on. So uh, I'm concerned uh, with really, you know, Pose, Eberflus, and Getsy. And really my concern comes from uh, we've seen the, the guys that George McCaskey and Ted Phillips have hired now since George has been the chairman, and there hasn't been a ton of success there at Hallis Hall. So uh, they've earned the right to be questioned, and they haven't won a playoff game uh, since 2010-2011 season. So obviously uh, we're all going to wonder about these guys they're hiring now. When you see them come out, when you see them go on stage, when you hear them talk, you can't help but cheer for them, right? You can't help but think like, man, uh, this guy maybe does have a chance to be successful, but you're just a little weary because uh, Ted and George haven't picked the right guys for years. And... I would even I would even take it a step further in the guys that they end up picking. Like they've they've had guys. I think I might have talked to you about my opinion on this before. Where like Ryan Pace came in as a guy who was sought after by a couple of different teams. So seemingly, you know, should have been a quality hire. Didn't get the job done here. Multiple head coaches like John Fox had taken multiple teams two Super Bowls. Matt Nagy, another like young sought after offensive coach who couldn't develop Mitch, and now he's been fired. And I, I feel like there's there's things as far as just the infrastructure under George McCaskey's leadership and, and how the Bears improve that. And the only thing I can glean so far is that Ryan Poles is also bringing in Ian Cunningham as now an assistant general manager. And that's, that's a, a job title that the Bears have never had before. So that's at least an early sign that maybe they're trying to bone up the infrastructure in some way. But are, are there things that stand out to you that the Bears could try to do better, do more of, to set up the staff, to set up the roster for better development than we've seen with the last couple of regimes here? Yeah, well, well first of all, when, when they bring in another offensive lineman, you know I get excited, excited <laughs> about that, right? Uh, uh, they call us Big Ant, the, the Mushroom Society, and, and you know right. you nose guards are a part of this. We, we grow in the dark, and no one really notices us until we make a big mistake. So uh, uh, it's good to see these two guys up there, and hopefully for all the former offensive linemen trying to move up the ranks, uh, hopefully they have a lot of success. But like you said, uh, it's that building, that organization, that franchise, the infrastructure around these guys, providing them the environment that it takes to win football games. You heard Ryan Pose today talk a lot about the standard, changing the standard, changing the expectations. I had a coach tell me one time that once the standard slips, it's gone, right? So you not only do you have to change the standard, kind of like Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace did the first year, right? They changed the standard. But then after you change the standard, you have to hold that that standard accountable every single day. And it's not easy to do unless everybody in the building, including Ted Phillips, including George McCaskey, uh, including their their PR department, whoever we're talking about, equipment room, training staff, strength staff, the guys who are cooking the food in the cafeteria, 
They all got to be moving in the direction of winning football games. And that is a big job for 37-year-old Ryan Pose and Ian Cunningham. And everybody in that building has to take care of that, that, uh, that um, structure, that foundation that they keep talking about, that standard that they're talking about, about winning football games. And that starts at the top. No matter how much they want to say, we leave football to the football people. It starts with George McCaskey, him setting a standard in that building of what is expected of their football team and how everybody's expected to carry this standard out. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're a consistent winning football team in the NFL. That, that standard, we, we heard Matt Eberflus talking today about his, his approach to, to dealing with players. And, you know, like in, in Chicago, because of the success that you guys had under Lovey as a team, and folks are familiar with just kind of the cover two philosophy. And Ibrafus talked about, even when he was still in college, he went and kind of studied Tony Dungy for a little bit and just kind of learned some of those principles from him. And then he brought that to college and then brought it to the NFL. It's been around Rob Marinelli and, and others. For you, you were always viewed as this guy who's like self motivated tough as nails, but I'm wondering for having a head coach maybe cut from a similar cloth to to Lovey Smith, how does that show itself for a guy like you, a, a great player who motivates himself plenty, but how does having a coach with that type of focus that Eberflus seems to be communicating, how, how does that end up making you a better football player in a way that perhaps you, you wouldn't on your own? Yeah, and that, that is the interesting question when you go from defensive coordinator like you know or you go from offensive coordinator to head coach of the building and now you're in charge of everything and now you're you're basically a leader of men and you have to lead them in a direction of what winning football looks like and the funny thing big Aaron, is it really is simple man and, and you know this if my head coach is making me better if he has put the time into developing me as a football player, getting me to my second contract, uh, helping me be successful on the football field, which means I'm successful in my job, in my business, then I follow him, man, right? But as soon as that ends, as soon as you feel like, okay, uh, look, I'll run to the ball, but, but there better be success that comes with this, right? And if you're screaming at me to run to the ball all the time, uh, but your situational football on Sundays uh, he's not helping us win football games and it's hard to follow you, right? So if you have a head coach who's asking you to play at a certain level and, and that's helping success for the whole team and you're making everybody better, that's really leading in the NFL, right? It's not yelling and screaming. Uh, it's not telling a guy to get over here or you're off the football team. Uh, a lot of these guys aren't going to follow that. You have to show us that you can make us better, that you are going to help us. When we follow you, we will win football games which equals success for me in my football career. And then you become a leader of the guys in the locker room. And then hopefully you develop leaders in the locker room. You give them, uh, uh, you know, basically the keys to the building. You say, look, lead your own football team. This is our standard. This is the way we want it run. You guys run the locker room. You guys run your team. Hopefully I just step in when need be. You know how it is with, with some of the guys at the station here. We, we got some of the sports nerds who aren't necessarily into the, the guys who sound really coachy and really football-y. And I was given some examples from, from my career of things that the certain ways that coaches communicated things to me that stuck with me. Like Ed Donatel was obviously a very respected secondary coach on Vic Fangio's staff here and went out to Denver with Vic. And, and he was my defensive coordinator when I was in Atlanta. And Ed used to give out – the Shark Award, you know, just like, you know, like right now, Matt Eberflus is talking about his Ball Hawk Award that he 
gave out during the time he was with the Colts. It was kind of a, a thing that, that he used to, to help just kind of motivate players or some little symbol that he could hold up. It's just that little thing to, to have it in guys' minds at all times on, on why they sort of seek takeaways and how that's a repetitive thing for them. Charles Haley's voice, it's constantly in my head. A lot of stuff that Charles said that I, I can't repeat on the radio, but the things that he repeated <laughs> that I always remember. Bill Johnson, my defensive line coach in Atlanta, where he was just like, every time we finish a pass rush, get out the stack. And just over and over again, when I coached, I would yell at my players, get out the stack. And I would just yell certain things that I got from coaches. Wondering, do you have any example of something like that, that, you know, like for Eberflus folks have been playing some of the, the hard knocks audio things that sound really football-y, really coachy that folks are trying to figure out, does that work for, for pros? Does that work at the highest levels to motivate players? Is there something you recall that a coach would just kind of ram into your head repeatedly that you still remember to this day? Yeah, and, and like you're saying, right, every coach has their saying or something mm. you remember from them, right? I played for obviously a bunch of offensive line coaches and you know, Harry Heastan was always screaming, bring your knees and throw your hands, right? Throw your hands <laughs> all the time. Bring your knees. Uh, Bob Wiley was screaming, finish, you know, finish the block. Uh, uh, Tony Wise wanted you coming off the ball, all your weight forward all the time. Uh, go through people. Uh, never take a step back. Always get on guys right away. So uh, like you're saying, and, and the funny thing about coaches, right, Big Ant, is when I say like Harry Heastan says, bring your knees. I mean, when I say he says it, he might have the world record. <laughs> for saying bring your knees in a certain day, right? But uh, as far as award, award I always remember is that uh, Dick Geron uh, used to have this, like, it looked like one of those old leather helmets he'd give to guys after the game. And it just represented uh, the guy who played uh, a tough brand of football, right? It really got after guys. And even being in the NFL and even being older, man, like, uh, I don't know what it was, but you just wanted to win that, that old beat-up-looking helmet uh, that said that you were, you know, like me, I'm a meathead and I want to get after people in a football game. Olin Cruz, my guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. You hear him on the No Name Podcast. You hear him all over The Score. You watch him on the football after show and on NBC Sports Chicago. He is on Twitter at Olin underscore Cruz. One last thing before I let you run, O. So now we get to the point where they've, they've gotten done with the media availability, so they're getting ready. I assume they're going to be – they might be on an airplane as we speak, heading out to, to go to the East-West Shrine game, Senior Bowl, got the, the combine coming up and everything else. They're going to start evaluating things. And Ryan Pohl specifically said, Hub asked him the question today about whether this is a, a rebuild or just more of a, a reload, a reshuffle. And Ryan Pohl said – we want to win right now. We, we think we're going to be in a position to win immediately. So how, how, how does that look for the Bears? What do they prioritize? How do they go about that? Because you do there's some cap space. They may have to try and make some more. There's limited draft capital. So I think they're going to have to be, it feels like, they're going to have to be kind of choosy with what they prioritize. They can't just throw money and draft picks everywhere. So what's the hierarchy for, for what, what it feels like the Bears should be prioritizing most with the current state of the roster? Yeah, you know, the first thing I would prioritize, uh, Big Ant, honestly, is getting my guys healthy. So I think their strength coach, uh, their training staff is extremely important because the guy you probably pay the most amount of money to, Khalil Mack, uh, hasn't been healthy the last two years. If I can mm -hmm. get him healthy, uh, with the way Robert Quinn played last year, uh, you can immediately see Eberflus' front four pass rush, what he really likes. Uh, you can see that, uh, that, that coming to fruition, right? That, that part of his defense is there. When you have a pass rush, you know what that equals? Takeaways. Now you know, 
what this guy came to talk about, he has the, the ingredients right there, right? Eddie Jackson in the back end, Jalen Johnson. I got to get Eddie Goldman playing better football. So I start in my building with the guys I have under contract. I got to get them healthy. Well, I got, if I'm Ryan Pose, I got to figure out, man, what's been wrong with Tariq Cohen the last two years? Why can't I get him on the field? He's, he's one of the only dynamic playmakers I have on offense. And my problem is scoring points. And once you fix the guys in your building, you figure out how you can get them healthy and play at an extremely high level. Then you probably go out there. You got to add some offensive linemen and one or two more dynamic playmakers because uh, I'm sure like they know up there, a lot of good football minds scoring under 20 points a game in the NFL today is not going to win you a lot of football games. <laughs> yeah, we got a whole lot of examples of that happening here over the last few years. Hopefully things will be looking up for the guys over at Hallis Hall. Oh, really appreciate you making the time tonight, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Big Ant, man. Have a good night. All right, you too. That is the great Olin Krutz here with me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Well, there's some uh, some positive news within the SCORE family that came out today that I was not aware was in the works. I had no idea it was a coming. And then the announcement just came out like a bolt of lightning. Lord Jesus has a fire. Let's tell you what that is and maybe have a little bit of a celebration on the other side of this timeout. I'm Anthony here wearing a big grin because of what we are going to discuss next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Again, we begin with our condolences on the passing of one of your colleagues. You all know that Les Grobstein was a Chicago sports mainstay for more than 50 years. The Grobber did more than capture the greatest rant in sports history. He talked knowledgeably about our local teams with players, coaches, and fans, and had a kind word for all of them. He was a friend of many, many of whom he didn't even know. We offer our sympathies to Kathy and to his son, Scott. Nice touch by George McCaskey to lead off today's press conference. First time everyone had the opportunity to hear from Ryan Poles in becoming Bears general manager and Matt Eberflus in becoming the Bears head coach. And I don't know if you've noticed tonight, but part of what I'm trying to do is just to get myself, I'm just saying their names and their jobs as frequently as possible, just in trying to train my brain to not call Ryan Poles, Ryan Pace. Like I haven't made the mistake on the air yet, but as has been the common joke here, you got a Ryan P as the GM, you got another Matt as the coach. I, I do need to just get to the point. It's kind of like when the calendar turns from the previous year where like I'm a dinosaur who still likes to write out checks or I write the, the date or type the date in certain places, but you get so used to writing 2021 or typing 2021. And so once the calendar turns to the new year, I got to kind of remind myself in that moment and, and just train my brain, train my fingers to to say 2022 and same thing. So I figure as as often as I can say Bears general manager, Ryan Poles, Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus, then I'll just get to the point where it does become muscle memory. But it was a nice touch from George McCaskey at, at today's press conference leading off with a, with a remembrance of the grabber with condolences of the great Les Grobstein and his passing. But Part of the news that associates with that here at the station in, uh, in, in moving to the direction of the future of overnights relates to our guy, Mark Grody. And normally on a night like tonight, like sometimes when, when Grody's on the late shift, I have me on. Sometimes when I'm on the late shift, I have Groats on. And the idea came up earlier in the evening, but it occurred to me that Mark Grody was likely sleeping in the moment. He would not be available during the six to nine shift that I've been here throughout this evening because for several nights during this week and, and the weeks to come, Mark Grody will be helming the, uh, the seat, the time slot that was made so renowned by Les Grobstein. Three nights a week, Mark Grody will be here hosting score overnights from Bears. midnight to 5 a.m. Yes, Bears. Uh, Groats is going to be the guy doing that overnights for three nights a week so very excited for that news that the score and that mark grody put out today and what was even additionally exciting about that frankly i mean you know chris ranji is going to be doing it too so nice for for ranji to have a you know consistent slot here at the station as well gotta admit most excited because the guy on the ones and twos for me right now adam studzinski will also have a consistent slot within that rotation. Now, I don't know, Studs, if this is something that you hoped for, that you interviewed for, or if this is just being forced upon you to have to stay up all night and do this on, on frequent occasions. So well, what's the rundown, man? Like, is there a smoke signal that needs to go up? Do you have a, 
you know, a safe word that you need to communicate? Do you need saving from this? Or are you looking forward to hosting overnights? I'm looking forward to it. I'm not being forced into it. Mitch, I've been talking with Mitch, I think since late this last year, mm-hmm. about doing a little bit of hosting here and there. And I don't think any of us anticipated like this kind of thing would would turn up. I certainly right. didn't. Right. So, it, you know, the... He Mitch and then Mitch, you know, approached me when with the idea that they're looking for and asked if I'd be willing to take a day or a night, a morning, whatever you want to call it, a week. And I said, absolutely. So that's <laughs> that's how the conversation really. It's kind really of both, went. right? Like it's kind of taking a night, taking a morning. It's just it's it's an an odd shift. I don't know what to call it. Like it's <laughs> it's. I mean, I know Les always just said good morning, right. but I, it just feels weird because I mean I'm up late anyway, mm. and I don't really consider it to be morning until like five. A.M. or so, like because like <laughs> that if seems I, fair. Or, I agree or, with that. Or until I've gone to sleep and woken up, I don't really right. consider it the next day, even though I know it technically is. Uh, so yeah, no, I feel you on that. I definitely do. I'm the same way because I've always been a night owl. I've never been somebody who needs or or seeks much sleep. And so when I'm up into the wee hours of the morning, especially during the football season, as as little sleep as I tend to get just throughout the the football year and the fall and winter months then yeah, I might I might work on, you know, three, four hours of sleep most of those nights anyway. So by the time you get to three and four in the morning before I'm going to bed sometimes, then it's like, yeah, that still still feels like the same night. So what are you anticipating then for your body clock? So what, what you tweeted makes it seem like then this is going to be consistently one night a week or may that adjust at times? Are we getting multiple nights a week here? How, do, how does your, your body clock end up factoring into this? It sounds like it's, it's going to be one night a week. I mean, you know, for the foreseeable future. I don't know. We haven't really talked about if it's going to be consistent, like who does which nights. And I think a lot of that will probably have to do with Grody's schedule because he's still doing the bear stuff for us. Mm-hmm. So it might have to coincide with, you know, we, we don't want to overwork him these certain days. And and <laughs> my, my schedule is more flexible than his. So, I mean, I'll pretty much work whatever night they say, hey, can you do whatever? I mean, you know, and I still have my producing stuff here as well. And we're a little shorthanded on producers right now. So mm-hmm. there's who, who knows, but like, I know that like, they're not going to at first ask me, I don't think to do multiple nights. I mean, maybe once we get into the next NFL season and Grody's busier, like who knows, we haven't really talked about that, but I mean, my body clock, like, man, like I'll, I'll just power through till 5am. I'll probably go get a workout in and then I'll go home and I'll sleep until noon and it'll be like normal. You know, it's not going to be like my body clock is so amenable at this point because of, I mean, you know, just look at my schedule this week and this is not an atypical week. You know, I'm working tonight here. I worked this past Saturday morning. I work this, this coming Saturday morning. So, I mean, my schedule is just so all over the place that I've kind of adjusted to being adjustable I don't, you know, my, my bedtime when I go to bed is different almost every night anyway. And now how so, many, how many nights a week when you were, when you were producing Les's show a, a good bit before, how many nights a week were you doing that? It kind of depended. I mean, when I first started, you know, f- almost four years ago now, a lot of my shifts were overnight. So, I mean, I would work like two overnights in a row maybe, mm-hmm. or two overnights a week that, and they would be split up a little bit sometimes, or, I mean, we, you know, even sometimes I would do like Friday and Saturday overnight, okay. which was a drag because it you know it wasn't a live show because you can't run them streets. Is that pretty yeah. much what it comes down to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, you know. So, but again, that's even that is where I kind of developed this just 
amenable schedule is like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, whatever, like, like I said, and I, I'm good at functioning on low sleep too. Like kind of mm-hmm. like we, what you were playing at. Cause I mean, like I said, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work the overnight shift when I would work it. Or in this case, I'll just do the shift and then I'll, I'll go straight to the gym or I'll just put my running clothes on and go out and run because it's easier. It's easier for me to just go do it because I'm going to be more tired when I wake up at noon, you know? Okay. So, yeah. and then I'll, I'll be a little groggy the next day after I wake up because I'll try to get myself back on a normal or schedule. So I'll stay up until to be uh, on human yeah. time. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. To, yeah. To be awake yeah. when humans are awake. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm, and especially just one day a week, like whatever, you know, it's even <laughs> it's, it's just a, a matter of powering through and, and by 5 a.m. I might be pretty tired, but, <laughs> you know, that's what coffee's for. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I've told you before, I've recently in recent years since my, my four year old's been born, I've been introduced to coffee at this point in my life and it, it works wonders. I wish I would have been on this caffeine kick when I was playing the game, man, because I I feel like I would have been an even better football player if I had caffeine in my life. How did you I'm make real- it that far in your life without playing, without drinking coffee? That doesn't make any it sense. Just- people that tell me they don't drink coffee, especially people that work in radio, just blow my mind. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how you do that. It just didn't interest me. It it never felt necessary. I the, the one There was one stretch in my life where I drank coffee. It was my rookie year when like Detroit initially – release me and I went to Green Bay and so I spent the the bulk of my rookie year was in Green Bay before and I was on the practice squad before Detroit put me on the active roster and I went back with the Lions for the next couple of years but so being on the practice squad in Green Bay like you know it's great it's fun we're winning games and Green Bay's a you know nice NFL town and games at Lambeau and all that but actually like the meetings just getting my my body clock accustomed to early morning meetings and watching film that I wasn't on since I wasn't playing in the games, I'd wake up, you know, go to a special teams meeting, and we'd go in the team meeting and offense-defense breakdown and position meetings. And so by the time I've been awake for a couple hours just looking at a bunch of other people on film, then, yeah, I'd start to doze off in some of the morning meetings when I was in Green Bay. And so I had, like, you know, like Gilbert Brown and Vonnie Holiday is like elbowing me in the ribs. Santana Dawson, hey Rook, you better wake up, man! Like you, you're not making enough money yet on the on the P squad to you know be over here like falling asleep in meetings, getting fined. So I just spent like a good maybe week, week and a half just drinking coffee pretty consistently early in my time in Green Bay back in '01, just until I really got accustomed to that meeting schedule and just kind of how how regimented things were in the NFL. Then after you know two weeks max, it was probably just barely over a week. Then I kind of got accustomed to it. So I spent like a week plus of my life up to that point, just my rookie year, you know, drinking some coffee just to kind of keep myself awake before I really got right. But yeah, other than that, it just never interested me. Really kind of thought maybe it was overhyped, you know, overutilized and just went through all my days without necessarily feeling like it was a big deal because I've never been one to really need a lot of sleep. But now at this point where where I just I feel myself dragging. I, I don't wake up and drink coffee, but once I get to, because I do my morning show for Sirius XM, I don't eat or drink really anything during that. Get done with that, you know, see the toddler for a little bit, get some stuff done, then kind of in the afternoon is where I can feel I need a little caffeine kick. So that's where I'll, I'll drink some coffee at that point. But yeah, for the most part, never really felt like it was necessary. But I, I, I imagine then, so you're already a coffee drinker. Once you're starting to do the overnight thing, well, I guess you've already experienced the shift before, but you're just going to be 
doing a whole lot more talking now than you than you used to. So is there a way for coffee to be an even bigger part of your life than it already has been? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll probably up the intake a little bit. Especially, okay. you know, probably probably a couple times during the during the show. Mm. Make sure I keep my energy up. Because mm-hmm. you know, that's a little more like as if you're producing, you don't have to have quite the right. level of energy that I would that I need as a host. So yeah, right. I'll be until drinking you a lot hear of your name, then yeah. you really only have to pay so much attention. Now, are you? Uh, so you're already pretty familiar then with Les's regular callers. So you're gonna have, already have kind of a rapport built up with with the callers and texters and everything overnight. I think so. And <laughs> I, yeah, you know, it's been the same group, roughly the same group of callers for is. I mean. Even in the last Forever. year, yeah, yeah, you know, I would, I would go months. I, I went with like a year once without working that shift, and then okay. come back, and it's the same group of people. And it's like, oh yeah, you're back, yeah, man. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Still calling the Alessa show, huh? So, I mean, I hope those people continue to call. Like, I know Grody will have fun with them, and I, I also hope that they understand we're not going to be quite, at least for me. <laughs> Grody maybe Grody could probably do this a little bit better than I can because I mean he's just older than me. But like it, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to field questions about the 1970 Cubs. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was 20 years before I was born, and I just <laughs> don't know. You know, I can I can I can I can play with it a little bit, but you right. know, I'll have to do some googling real quick. But yeah, like so I hope they that, have a little bit of a different vibe. Yeah, yeah. That. So I hope that I hope that listeners understand. I think they do understand that like none of us are going to be less, and none of us mm. have that encyclopedia knowledge that, oh, that he did yeah i don't know who does i, I really don't and i my first uh just even recognition of you on the air before i knew less was was ill or anything I, just, I remember seeing i don't remember if it was you tweeted it or the station or what but somebody tweeted that you ended up kind of filling in at the last second on an overnight but was was that just a couple weeks ago when you kind of filled in at the last second for less was that your first time actually like you know hosting on air at the station or had you been in the rotation at all before that that was the first time i was officially hosting so i mean i've well i've done like little stuff here and there like one mm-hmm. time one time a few months ago i i did i basically did the show with steve rosenblum on on saturday suckage but i was also and producing. i know they keep you yeah. deeply involved in saturday suckage throughout yeah i'm always driving around listening to you and i mean yeah like i'm basically a co-host on that show as it is right. so right. that was super easy but that was my first time like by myself doing a show where i'm the the featured host i guess you mm. could say all right looking forward to it man congratulate i'm like i said i'm more excited for you than anybody because obviously growth get gets plenty of work here and elsewhere and Raji's Ranji's done his thing everywhere over the years and all that. But for you, this is definitively something you've been looking forward to and wanting to pursue. And now you're going to get the opportunity to do it overnights. Then uh, that's, that's very exciting news. So I was really happy to, to see that and to hear that and happy for you. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking you out on there as frequently as I'm awake beyond midnight. So I'm going to be listening, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It should be fun. We'll, we'll have some fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. Don't call me though. You, you won't. Uh, you won't be catching me as a guest on those shifts. Maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe occasionally, if the Bears, when the Bears are on like Monday Night Football, then uh, in moments like that, actually even Sunday Night Football, since if you're hosting any of those leading into a Monday morning, then maybe some of those shifts I'll be able to help you out. But other than that, I'm not gonna be on the phone. Yeah, I don't really. And if I do have guests, it'll probably be you know I I don't intend to them them to probably be live. But I mean, hey, you know, if you're awake at 3 a.m. <laughs> Yeah. By all means, but yeah, like, I don't. I don't plan on doing that to people. I'll give you a call sometime, just out of the blue. We'll see. All no right, promises. Do it. do it. 
All right, let me take my final time out here, come back. And I, I did, uh, I got some calls in early. Let me get out to the text line a little bit before we get off the air. And a couple of last thoughts I want to share, specifically on some things that we heard earlier today and on the significance of something specific with the Bears. We'll do that next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Come down in our final minutes here, this Monday edition. I'm Anthony Heron of Chicago, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Let's go out to the score listener line, which is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. We got Mike, who is out in Markham. What's happening, Mike? Hey, hey, Anthony. Love your show, man. Hey, look here. On less, man, I'm telling you something. He's great, but... I hope they keep this segment less half always doing the bomb of the week, bomb of the month, bomb of the year. I hope they keep that. And if you have time, man, can you pull that clip up where he has something to say about Urban Meyer? I appreciate you, man. Talk to you later. <laughs> I appreciate you, Mike. Yeah, the bum of the week. That is definitely one of Grober's best pieces of work that he did on a consistent basis. So I would imagine between Grody, Ranji, Adam Studzinski, they will all have their own their own individual spin on how they're going to manage things like that. But sort of a staple segment that was uh, pretty consistently part of what Les Grobstein did overnight. Glad, as always, to hear uh, one of many things that folks look forward to when Grober was on the air. Um, couple of things before before I run and kind of get out of the way here. I uh, gave my congratulations to, to Groats and Ranji and, and Studs. And I talked a little bit earlier in the show specific to uh, what what I found, you know, special about the fact that Ryan Poles now has this opportunity. First, black general manager in Chicago Bears history. And there's different things that speak to to various people for a number of reasons over the years. And, and for me, just in the, the Bears having a black GM, that doesn't guarantee him a thing. But I do think it's worth commending the Bears at least on the process that got them to this point. Having Tanisha Wade involved in the process, having – uh, Soup Campbell, Lamar Campbell, I call him Killer Cam, a former teammate of mine from time with the Detroit Lions, and having Bill Polian involved in the process as well. All these collective voices getting to the point where they, they were willing to to hire a black general manager, one of the few in the National Football League at the moment, still just one black head coach, I think three total minority coaches, uh, head coaches in the NFL right now. And the process of getting to this point is to the point that I was talking to Patrick Finley about earlier in the show is is what matters here because I don't think anyone is, is really under the impression that that there should be guarantees from an interview that X number of black candidates get hired for any of these jobs. But it's hard to make a case for why so few of them exist at this level. And like I said, when you heard Ryan Poles and my my supposition he he did not say this or admit this personally but I know if I were in his shoes and taking that role with the Bears and like I've talked about it at various points uh, over the times I've been on these airwaves and others I was a, a senior executive with the Arena Football League I, I've coached the game certainly played the game like you've heard me talk about plenty um, and so just in picturing myself if I was at that opening press conference and I was looking out at my wife and our son and if I got choked up in talking about that or talking about my folks or or just people who've helped me along the way I could imagine we're just in knowing like before I ended up taking a job as the the number 2 executive in the Arena Football League where I initially said no to that job 
several times. And then eventually part of what my motivation was when I finally, as the at the time that AFL commissioner Jerry Kurz, when he pursued me, when several owners from in the league who I'd worked with and just helping the league out in a few different capacities leading into that point where they ended up offering me a job that I was not pursuing. And I communicated this to my wife and some family members that at that point I was 28 years old. And part of what stood out to me was that I was, I was a, a young black man in my twenties who they were making me the number two executive in the AFL, which had still nearly 20 teams spread out in various media markets around the country and national television packages that I would be responsible for negotiating and everything else. And frankly, those just, those aren't the type of opportunities that it, that it felt like at that point, a decade ago when I accepted that opportunity or still at this point that, that come around on as frequent a basis as it feels like it could be or should be for, for African-Americans working at the executive level in professional sports. So you know, credit to and, and congratulations to Ryan Poles, him, him being black and making history with the Bears doesn't guarantee him any semblance of success. But I would imagine part of what the reason is that he got choked up and you know, part of where I, I certainly, especially on the eve of the beginning of Black History Month, felt a, a little bit of extra pride in, in you know, following the Bears, supporting the Bears, knowing what the Bears are about. It, it felt good to see that as a representation for what the Chicago Bears are at this point and what will be leading them forward. Won't stop me from criticizing him if he's out there messing his roster up or, or making, you know, ill-timed decisions or not adjusting, you know, the, the Bears and the coaching staff and having oversight on those things or botching draft picks or anything else. But it does feel nice to at least see that, see that type of history being made for this franchise at Hallis Hall. Well, it's been a fun night, been an informative night, quite a day, quite an evening to be on the score discussing all these things. There's so much that happened over the weekend in football and sports in general. I'll be back on with you uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, will be my next time here on the station. I, I think I, I may be back. I may be on Lawrence at some point tomorrow afternoon as well. Just the Bears having their press conference, making their introduction. Kind of throws things in the air a little bit. So I think the rest of the week will probably normalize here on the station in the midst of the schedule with the Bulls and everything else. So be plenty to pay attention to. My thanks to Patrick Finley, to the great Olin Krutz. My thanks and my congratulations to Adam Studzinski on the ones and twos, who will also be now a part of the, the hosting rotation on overnights here on The Score. And as always, my thanks to you, my uh, appreciations and salutations for all those who've been listening and consuming what I've been doing over the last few hours here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Can I finish? Please, can I finish? Okay, I'm finished. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.